Hi, everybody. This is the Funeral Science Podcast, a podcast about funeral science. I'm Ben, and I will be your funeral scientist for today. Okay, funeral scientists, today we are going to talk about another logical fallacy. In episodes two and six, we discuss the argument from authority and personal astonishment as errors in our own thinking and how to avoid them. In this episode, we are going to discuss the logical fallacy known as confirmation bias. In a nutshell, confirmation bias occurs when you only take in the information you agree with and ignore the stuff you don't. In simpler terms, it's remembering the hits and forgetting the misses. Where do we find it? Well, pretty much everywhere. Your brain is hardwired for confirmation bias because it does have protective qualities. For example, imagine you are an ancient human traveling through the jungle and you hear a rustling in the bushes. Is it A, the wind? or be an animal ready to eat you. It is in your best interest to stay alive, and perhaps you have a history of animal attacks, so it's best to stick with what you know and beat it out of the area. Further, it feels bad to be wrong. When you know you are wrong, your body activates the amygdala, which governs your fight or flight response and sends a message out, and you feel terrible. Therefore, in order to avoid this bad feeling, your brain tries to insulate you from it by only searching for things that will make you feel good about yourself. Today's social media algorithms are also built to reinforce confirmation bias. The internet generally shows us the things that we like and ignores the things that we don't like or don't seem to be interested in. In funeral service, we find examples when people are discussing products or techniques that they favor. You may hear or read someone say, I use Fluid X every time and it's never failed me, or I do such and such on every body and it works 100% of the time. While it may be true that they do deploy a particular fluid or technique on every body, they are failing to recognize the instances where a fluid or technique didn't work, didn't work as well as they wanted, or worked but was successful with the addition of something else. How do we avoid it? It is very hard to avoid confirmation bias even when you are aware it is happening. One way you can avoid it is to be transparent in your communication with other embalmers about what fluids and techniques you used even if they didn't work the way you wanted. Discussing what you could have done better or what you will do next time is also a good pathway to avoiding confirmation bias. Through this process, You will still get to be right and wrong at the same time while being honest. In episode 2, we discussed the appeal to authority and the fallacy of believing something just because someone said it and not the facts behind their statement. Confirmation bias can also be avoided by remembering this logical fallacy. You may only follow the advice from funeral service professionals you agree with and ignore the ones you don't. Take their names away and listen to what they say in order to evaluate what the actual point is. Now, this is not a surefire way to avoid it all of the time because opinions and emotions will often cloud judgment, 
but being aware of confirmation bias and combating it at the appropriate times in your own head is a good start. Now for this episode's listener question. What advice do you have for people looking to get into or who are new to the profession? To answer this question, I'm going to have to say some things that may be hard to hear because they are hard to say. However, based on what I just said about confirmation bias, I really have no choice but to be honest when answering this question. Before you even enroll in school, you need to ask yourself the following questions. How does funeral service fit into my life? Or more accurately, how does my life fit into funeral service? Mortuary school is a grind, and depending on what program you choose, it can be very hard to work a full-time job while going to school. This can also be a good test on how you plan to balance work and home. Even if you find a place that has a balanced work schedule, you can still expect late days at the office, nights on call, work on the weekends, and missed holidays. You have to consider how much caring for your family you are willing to give up in order to care for others. Next, you need to ask yourself, can I mentally and physically handle it? It's not just dealing with the tragic deaths of others that can be hard on you. Long hours, body fatigue, and erratic sleep schedules can wear on a person pretty quickly and can lead to frustration. When I say physically, I don't mean body type or level of strength either. People of all shapes and sizes can handle themselves, or they can burn out. It is a very real problem in our community, and I have watched many capable funeral directors leave funeral service because they cannot handle it. Next, you need to consider, is the cost of your degree worth the paycheck? College is expensive. In many places, a degree in funeral service can easily pay off student loans, and in other places, the pay is minimum wage despite the training required for the job. Before you start school, look at what you are earning now and what the earning potential for a funeral director in your area is. Call your local mortuary school and ask them what a reasonable salary or hourly rate for apprentices and funeral directors in your area is. Don't be surprised when they tell you it is barely a living wage. Some of these questions can be answered before starting school. Try getting a job at a funeral home. In some states, it is possible to serve an apprenticeship before you go to school, which will give you a real taste of what funeral service is like. If you can't do an apprenticeship, then a job at the funeral home will at least allow you to observe and perhaps participate in what life as a funeral director is like. Okay, so let's say you decide to go to school. Expect it to be difficult. A very common reason for people to get into funeral service is that they want to help people. This is an excellent attitude, but it must go deeper than that. There are lots of different ways to help people in this world, and funeral service is one of the more difficult ways to do that. Starting with mortuary school, you will be challenged. The material is not easy. Since you are a listener to this podcast, you have already come to recognize that discussions about anatomy, chemistry, and biology are going to be a regular part of your curriculum, and you have to be ready for that. 
I know I am preaching to the choir here to remind you all that this doesn't go away even after you are licensed, as it is your absolute duty to continue to grow in these areas. In episode one, we discuss what it means to be a funeral scientist and to properly serve families. You must continue on this path, even if your main duty is making arrangements. You will be tasked with learning the ins and outs of required paperwork, learning accounting, and how to work with families. A funeral director must be well-rounded, even if you are only going to spend time in the prep room or only working with families. Understanding the full scope of the business is the best way to be successful. Further, accredited schools in the U.S. require students to meet a certain number of embalming and funeral directing tasks. Some schools offer these in scheduled sessions with supervision from instructors. Others send their students to find funeral homes to do them in. Before you start, you must ask yourself if you have the ability to meet these requirements in whatever format they are offered in addition to your regular coursework. For example, if you are in school that requires you to work in a funeral home, is there one near you that is willing to help? Can you meet the schedule? They will be available to you. Do not assume the funeral home in your town is willing to do this before you start. You need to actually go in and ask them. So now you've made it out of school and it's time to look for a job. There is a good chance you will need to be mobile. If you live in a metro area, you will certainly have more options local to you, but it will be likely that you may have to relocate to a different suburb. If you live in a small town, it could go either way. You see, there is a shortage of funeral directors in the United States and mainly in the small towns. However, some of that is of the funeral home's own making, especially if they are uh, very particular about candidates or are unwilling to pay a fair wage. It can certainly, though, be a good thing, especially if you have established a relationship with the funeral home before or during school. Many small town funeral homes are willing to sponsor and support candidates in order to get the help they need. However, either way, it will be up to you to stay consistent and engaged with the funeral homes. On the other hand, your local funeral home might not need help or does not do enough business to be able to hire someone. A common misconception is that the funeral industry is steeled against economic change and its effects. However, just because one owns a funeral home does not mean people are dying to get in. Insert purposeful pause for groans here. One of the things I love about students coming out of school is their energy and desire to take on the whole industry in order to enact change. Never lose that energy, but recognize that it will not happen quickly and you can't do it alone. You need to observe and learn as much as influence. Funeral service is organic and there are lots of holes to fill, but you won't know these unless you actively participate in the field and observe professionals of all kinds, including the ones you don't agree with. A lesson learned in what not to do can be as valuable as a lesson learned on what to do. There is also a separate discussion to be had on your appearance. Funeral homes have a brand they have created, and it is not the place of a new employee to try and disrupt what has been successful for them. 
It is also fair to have a clear dress code and expectations on what is considered to be appropriate upfront about hair color and style, tattoos, and clothing for both men and women. If you don't want to meet these expectations, then you should find some place that fits your style. You will automatically fit in better with a place that aligns with your philosophies anyway, so don't torture yourself. Whatever look you choose to present, you need to make sure that it is the sharpest and best version of that look. If you have color in your hair, make sure it is done professionally. If you have a beard, make sure it is trimmed and shaped. It's totally possible to make things work. I know an instructor at a well-known mortuary school who dyed their hair green for charity, and it was incredible. Also, remember that just because you are in a suit doesn't mean that you look good. Putting together a clean and coordinated look takes practice and observation, so now is a good time to start. This will also help you feel comfortable in clothes other than just jammies. Uh, finally, just remember that you are not beholden to someone just because they have a license or own a funeral home. At any time, you can leave and find some place that will treat you the way that you want to be treated. The majority of funeral homes are great places to work, but depending on where you are, they might be a little bit harder to find and you might have to work at a few different places. It is not uncommon for people to work at a lot of different funeral homes during their career, so don't be too hard on yourself. I would like to close this topic by saying that despite pointing out negatives in funeral service, it is still a fulfilling career for many, including myself. I am glad that I became a funeral director every day as I have found a home here, and I truly believe there is room for everyone of all ethnicities, sexual orientations, and gender identities. I am happy to have a community that includes you in it. I am very lucky, but it didn't come without hard work. I invite anyone who is willing to make the effort to join us. We need you. This can be a very fulfilling and satisfying job to have, and you can always be proud of yourself for doing it. As a funeral director, you are comp- contributing to the good of humanity. So please, if you think you are the right type of person, come and join us. You have friends here already, and you might not even know it. That is your something good that is happening for this episode. You have friends here in funeral service. Come and find us. We will help you. In the show notes, I will provide a list of usernames of people who I recommend. Okay, that's it for this episode. Do you have a question for me? You can email me at funeralsciencepodcasts at gmail.com with the subject line, podcast question. Are you or someone you know doing something that promotes education, equality, or otherwise raises awareness about an issue in funeral service? Please send me information about it to funeralsciencepodcasts at gmail.com with the subject line, a good thing is happening. Now, a note here, that does have an exclamation mark in it, so be sure to include that in your subject line and I'll be sure to read it. You can also follow me on social media. I am Mort Tracker on Instagram. That's M-O-R-T-R-A-Q-R. Uh, we also have the Funeral Science Podcast Facebook page, which you can like. You will find these uh, social media 
usernames in the show notes. I have also heard on other podcasts that if you rate and review podcasts you like, it helps them. So if you like this podcast, then please do that wherever you are listening from. All right, everybody. I'll talk to you later.